Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Right back at it on the fan. Joining us right now is Giants beat reporter for The Athletic. Covering your G-men in this time right now where we need answers. It's Dan Duggan on the fan again. What's up, Dan? Hey, how you doing, Keith? I'm good. I'm not a Giants fan, and I think that puts me in a good position to watch the games and talk about them, even if, you know, they think I have a lean towards the Dallas Cowboys. I got that. Take that out of it. It really has nothing to do with it. I'm a former football player, and you and I have talked a bunch of times. I know you know football. I know you're physically there. And the first question I wanted to ask you was, what is the difference between now and the preseason? We were so hyped up about what was coming out of camp. We were so hyped up about Darren Waller and him being this easy, open target for Daniel Jones. And and Jalen Hyatt said he wanted to be the offensive rookie of the year. What has changed? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question and and one that I'm sure they're uh, asking themselves. Uh, over there quite a bit at 1925 Giants Drive because, yeah, there was uh, a lot of optimism. You know, you know, training camp is a time for optimism, but, you, you know, you still saw the team on the field every day, and the offense looked really good. I mean, Darren Waller looked like a monster. Uh, Jalen Hyatt was making big plays. Daniel Jones looked super comfortable. Uh, I would say the biggest probably difference from training camp to now is in training camp, Daniel Jones in a red jersey, and the offensive line, you know, can't really give up sacks. and. Mm-hmm. Certainly that changes when, when the real games start, and that's obviously been a huge problem for this team, just the, the kind of instability of the offensive line. Not having Andrew Thomas is a huge blow, but you know the other four spots have all pretty much been weaknesses. So, um, I mean, that's, if you want to get like a biggest difference, it's probably just that. I mean, you know, and in camp, it's kind of glorified passing camp. So you don't have to worry about getting hit, and certainly that changes uh, once the games start for real. And, it's, you know, again, there's a multitude of problems. We'll probably touch on a bunch from here, but I mean, I think a lot of it starts right there with the offensive line and just the inability – um, to really have a functional offense uh, based on you know kind of starting there. And then, again, there's, there's many other issues from there. Yeah, speaking on the difference between practice and the actual game, there was a report that came out that um, the Giants never practiced that tush-push, which we're calling the brotherly shove, but I guess we're <laughs> not going to do that because they're you know rivals of the Giants. I don't like either name, but I think brotherly shove is the more fitting name but i guess the giants will call it the tush push but supposedly they had never practiced that in practice and uh, the decision to go for it there doesn't look great now there was a rumor or a report let's say that they didn't hold a true practice for a full week after thursday night football i guess these guys had extra time off do you feel like the giants i i definitely feel like brian dable is here do you feel like the giants uh, have kind of got caught with their pants down early on this season, and they were kind of, you know, riding high off the playoff win last year and all the hype in New York and everyone saying, oh, they got more talent this year and the coach of the year and a 
$40 million quarterback and Saquon's happy. And do you think that, you know, they, they've kind of gotten caught early on this season not being as prepared as they should be? All right, so there's a lot to unpack there. I'll start with the, uh, the where you started there with the, the tush push, whatever you want to call it, play. I don't think that's a big deal that they didn't practice that because just a, a think about that play on, on Monday night. Two players got hurt, so I don't know if they want to be putting guys into that type of physical collision in practice. I don't know how you'd practice it and the quarterback's wearing a red jersey, as we just talked about. You can't, you know, Daniel Jones in the actual game is obviously throwing his body and uh, putting it at risk. So I don't think that's a play you really practice, and I also think it's a little bit unfair because they were 4 for 4 doing that uh, earlier this season. So it's not like the first time they tried it, it was a disaster. I mean, you know, the 80% success rate doing it, um, obviously – that one stands out, and it was a bad one. But, yeah, I don't think not practicing that is a problem. Not to cut um, you off, but, Dan, it's it's a QB sneak. It's a it's a play that everybody has run. Obviously, there's a little more to it with everybody coming together. But I always think about Patrick Ewing uh, saying, did you practice that shot? You know, take the shots in the game that you practice. But it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's something that I think people are making more of than yeah. it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, they walk through it, so they, you know, they know where they're supposed to, you know. Again, it's that's just that's just will. That's leverage. There's nothing too complicated about that play. It's get lower than the man in front of you and push him as hard as you can, and then you get guys behind the quarterback doing the same. So, um, But, that, you know, that's here today. You asked a bigger picture question, which I think is interesting. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I will say to Brian Dable's credit, he never really took any victory lap for any success they had last year. I think one of the best sound bites of the offseason was we're at the owners' meetings. It's kind of a relaxed setting. It would be the time you could probably kind of, you know, bask in your Coach of the Year award. And someone was asking a question. It was kind of like a long question about, like, the success they had last year. And he cut the reporter off and said, yeah, and then got smoked in the playoffs. So, like, I think that was a good message to send, like, that, that he wasn't sitting there, um, you know, just basking in the glory of a nine-win season. He understood that uh, they still have a long way to go. I mean, this guy obviously has, um, you know, was in New England for a long time, and in Buffalo, you know, has won a lot of games in this league. So I think he understands they didn't really accomplish anything last year. It was a great first season for this regime, but still a long way to go. So I, I don't think that he necessarily bought into that. I think people probably around the organization – may have and maybe that influenced some of the decisions because they certainly were uh, more aggressive than you know maybe you would have expected this offseason where i think that's been a, a characteristic of the giants franchise for years where it's like they taste a little success and they kind of you know, hit the gas I'm like let's go all in and, and again um you know you're gonna try to win every year but it did feel like they kind of hit the gas a little bit on this you know rebuild and i think that's kind of natural because they did have some success last year and obviously you want to build on that um but yeah i don't i mean i don't know like how they've gotten to this point and even you, you mentioned uh in that question about the the long layoff in practice um you know there's a little different in season with the scheduling um you know they came back from a two games in five days on the west coast i understand we get some downtime but certainly i think there's it's fair to examine just sort of the overall practice structure of training camp it was definitely a pretty lax camp definitely not running guys into the ground obviously a lot of that's done with injury prevention in mind and then you get to the real games, and the injuries still happen. And it didn't seem like it's really paid off very much. And then you start to wonder, well, maybe if there was, you know, they were a little more callous in camp, but they've been more ready when the season starts. That's one of those things where, uh, you know, really it's a hindsight type thing for us to sit here and evaluate. But uh, obviously these guys get paid the big bucks to, to kind of have a, a read on those types of things before you see how the results are. One of the first things I said today about the Giants and that game and um, you know, the offense, I, I jokingly call them the FG men, the New York field goal giants, Graham Gano. Um, you know, because this has been a theme for a few years, not being able to punch it in. But, you know, how good can you expect them to be without their two best offensive players? If you take the two best offensive players off every NFL team, they're going to look a lot different. And I say that to say this. Andrew Thomas is not there. Hasn't been there since week one. Saquon Barkley is not there. 
This is now the second game without him. Do you let those guys rest, or do you think that they'll let those guys rest another week or two, maybe before the Commanders, or when do you expect to see them back on the same timeline? Uh, I think I think before we can really look at this offense, obviously there's questions on the offensive line. I think you got to get Thomas back and you got to get Saquon back. When can we expect to see those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think those decisions will be dictated solely by the trainers. I don't think they've made any you know, strategic decisions. Like they obviously can't afford to hold guys out. And you're not going to push guys if they're not ready just to, you know because you think it's an important game. But uh, I mean, Saquon, there's been so much optimism both weeks, and then you know he's ruled out uh, the 49ers game, which there was no chance he's going to play in that game. I don't really get why Brian Dable tried to keep that door open. Uh, but he was on the practice field last week. Was listed as doubtful, but again, you know he's making progress. I think it's realistic that he could be back on Sunday in Miami. I don't think it's a guarantee, but you know the fact that he was you know limited was able to make some progress last week. Now, now I kind of just see uh, as they kind of ramp it up this week. I think if he's not back this week, he certainly should be back the following from Buffalo. Uh, Andrew Thomas is more of a question mark to me because they were trying to ramp him up in the hopes that he'd be back for the Monday night game, but his first practice out there, uh, he re-aggravated the hamstring, and obviously anyone who's been around sports knows hamstring injuries can linger, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's maybe as simple as, okay, like let it you know calm down for a couple of days, because then you're going to push him right back out there in practice? What if he does it again? So I think they might have to exercise a little caution there, which, you know, that obviously uh, has been a major injury. I mean, he really hasn't been healthy all season. When you think about it, he got injured on the the first series, uh, that field goal block from hell uh, that I've just come to refer to it as. He was trying to chase down um, the Dallas guy after he picked up the loose ball there and returned it for a touchdown. Uh, so, you know, having your all-pro left tackle basically not healthy all season and obviously not in the lineup for the last three games, that's a major blow. And, yeah, I, I don't know at this point if he'll be ready for Sunday. I would just think it seems like an outside shot just because he just re-aggravated a couple of days ago. I don't think you want to push it again and then potentially have an even longer setback. So I think – um, they're probably looking at least another week without Thomas, but we'll probably get a better idea based on what he does or doesn't do at practice tomorrow. If it were me, I would skip the Dolphins and Bills game and have those two guys ready to go for the division game against the Commanders at home and then the rivalry with the Jets at home. If it were me, I'd say hey, uh, we're not going to force you guys to go to Miami and be ready to go or Buffalo and be ready to go. But that's me. That's me as a fan saying, you know, I don't think that they're going to win those games and you want those guys to be healthy and be able to go through the rest of the season. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Justin Pugh. Um, I mean, like, I guess it's a real thing. He's signing to the practice squad, but do you see him being a starter on this offensive line? Uh, it's a depth move, move, but like, do you see him getting back into the, like, like I don't know, it's crazy. Is this a real thing? <laughs> well, I mean, if there's a unit a guy could, you know, work his way into the starting lineup, you know, faster than others, it would probably be the Giants' offensive line. Um, yeah, I mean, he's 33 years old. He's coming off a torn ACL, so I think you know, he's been pretty open about this. That uh, whenever he signed, it's going to take a little bit of time for him just kind of get his sea legs back, get up to speed. So certainly won't be a situation where he's going to, you know, sign on Tuesday and you know play on Sunday. But you know, I think a week or two, you know, however long that process takes, you know, it's impossible to know from from where I sit, but. Uh, I do think there's a chance because I mean he's you know he's more accomplished really than any uh, any player on this offensive line outside of Andrew Thomas. You know, he's got I think like 100 starts in his career. Obviously, again he's he's been around a long time. Um, but yeah, I mean listen, that offensive line is in a real state of flux. They have some injury concerns now where we don't know the status yet of John Michael Schmitz. He also got hurt on that uh, that quarterback sneak play. Um, Shane Lemieux, who you know has kind of just been like a a backup, but he's been pressing the duty here. He got hurt last night, so. 
we don't even know if, you know, they might, they might need to make an addition just from like the practice squad this week, just to have enough bodies for Sunday. But then, yeah, the, the door is certainly open for a guy like Justin Pugh if, you know, if he's healthy and he shows he still can play. Um, they, they need to be looking in all corners for, for reinforcements off of the line. But he certainly, I think, has a, has a real chance to potentially uh, get into the lineup, in, you know, in, in a few weeks probably down the road. Yeah, I didn't realize he's 33. I thought he was over 35 for some reason. I thought he was a little bit older uh, coming back like a Jason Peters or a Dwayne Brown or something like 33. He probably yeah. still does have something left in him, like he said. Now, um, in the beginning of my show, talking about Daniel Jones, is I feel like people are piling on with Daniel Jones. I feel like he's the easy target uh, because of his contract and because he is just a quiet guy. Like he's not really like, you know, a look at me guy. He's just, you know. There, I feel like he gets kind of bullied and, and picked on. I don't know. Uh, I, I just feel like it's hard. I played quarterback in high school and college, and I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing me say that. But I say that to say, like, I can relate to getting hit. I can relate to having to process information and having guys bearing down on you. I tried to make the analogy for everyone that I'm like, imagine you're driving through Tropical Storm Ophelia and you've got a four-hour trip. That's four quarters. And it starts steady raining on you in the beginning. You're all right in the beginning, but then the rain picks up. And then, like, you know, you, you miss a turn here, and now you're frazzled. Now you're impaired. Or, you know, maybe the uh, the beers you had before you got in the car start kicking <laughs> in. Now you're a, little, you're a little buzz. Like, it's just hard to do when you're in that altered state. He's not clean. He doesn't have Saquon to hand the ball to. Obviously, I know there were some mistakes on on his part, some reads that he missed, but I attribute that to the offensive line not protecting him what do you think about daniel jones do you think that this guy is a guy that they paid too much money and and he's got to drag the team to victory despite the shortcomings of the offensive line or do you feel like um you know it's it's more on the offensive line them missing by like i, I don't know I, I feel like it's a little bit of both but i'm leaning to, towards more of they got to do a better job protecting him what do you say Right, right. No, I think it sort of is like a chicken and egg type argument here where it's like obviously the offensive line has not been good but then there's also instances where either Jones isn't pulling the trigger or he's bailing out of a clean pocket. And, and, you know, I've tweeted that today and a lot of people are coming back and like, of course she's, you know, skittish in the pocket. Look at all the pressure under. And like, that's fine. Like if you want to defend Daniel Jones, that's fine. But if you're just a Giants fan, it's a problem. If your quarterback's internal clock is fed up, it's not his fault necessarily. It's the fault of the offensive line or the coaches, whoever you want to put it on, that's fine. But it's still just a problem that needs to be addressed. I mean, you've seen quarterbacks where it can really, um, kind of derail their careers. Um, again, I'm not saying he's at that point yet, but to just say, hey, it's not his fault, like that's fine, but they need to figure something out. And, and I mean, I know they're trying things, they're doing max protect plays just to get like two men running, you know, curl routes. It's not, not even for shot plays. It's just like they're so desperate to try to, you know, patch together a functional passing game knowing that they have to, you know, offer so much help to this, this uh, makeshift offensive line. Um, but so, you know, the bigger Dan Jones question, like, I'm almost exhausted of that only because we did it all. We've done it for his whole career probably, but we did it all last year and he got the contract. So even if you're like the biggest Daniel Jones detractor, and I've been a skeptic throughout his career, I've seen moments where I think, oh, this guy could be a franchise QB. I've had other moments uh, where I'm not so sure, but I don't think it really matters. I mean, he's going to be the quarterback obviously for the rest of this season and really barring them completely bottoming out and like a top three pick or something. He's going to be the quarterback next year. I mean, that's just where the contract was structured. So like, I don't think every discussion about Daniel Jones needs to be, like this big picture, like is he the guy, is he not? Like he's going to get the chance to show that. But like I think it's more like the the microscopic problems they need to address right now. Like how are they going to beat the Dolphins? Like how are they going right. to have a functional offense against the Dolphins? 
and again, like there's issues where yes, it's the offensive line, yes, it's him, but like again, pointing the finger as fans and media doesn't really accomplish anything. The coaches need to come up with some sort of solution, and obviously they're, <laughs> I'm sure they're racking their brains, and, and they really haven't been able to. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Like I said, the exhaust is the word that comes to mind because it's just, you know, you're on social media. If you just like, if I just type his name in it, if I could just type Daniel Jones and hit send and I'd have, you know, 50 comments, you know, 25 saying he's the worst <laughs> quarterback, 25 quarterbacks defending him and 25 fans defending him. That's just how he is. He's just a lightning rod, which, you know, is ironic based on his personality. Um, but so, yeah, it's just like whoever's at fault, the offense has been abysmal other than those two quarters in Arizona. So, like, they just need to figure it out. And, you know, that he needs to play better. The line needs to play better. They need to coach better. I mean, everybody needs to be better. So, like, I, you know, it's, you know, kind of slicing up the, the blame pie to me isn't really that productive because I just think that it's, it's kind of like the problems run so deep and, and really across the board. Yeah, last question I have for you. It's not getting any easier. Uh, with the Miami Dolphins next and the Buffalo Bills, like, I look at this Giants defense. This is the only question about the defense. Like, what is going on with these guys not wanting to tackle – is it a scheme thing? Is it a want-to thing? Like, if you don't want to tackle Raheem Mostert and uh, Devon Achan and, and Tyreek Hill, it's going to be a long day. And those guys are looking to bounce back after being beat by the Bills. Then you got to go up to Orchard Park and face the Buffalo Bills and tackle Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. Like, if, if they don't figure it out on defense... Is it's going to be a long season? What do you see? What is the number one problem with the Giants' defense outside of tackling? Yeah, well, I mean, and I thought they bounced back last night because I mean they were certainly in the crosshairs. That 49ers game, you know, was really embarrassing. Obviously, the, the way they, you know, the missed tackles and um, you know they were really in the spotlight. And you know, Wink Martindale said like you know charred them on Monday night in terms of how many missed tackles they had, and they still had a few. Don't get me wrong, but that's going to happen. I mean, NFL running backs are going to break tackles, and then obviously there was the really. The one play that really stood out was the the play when Fant there was the busted coverage. And obviously, he goes down yep. the sideline and you know, Karate and Adore Jackson couldn't get him out of bounds. That that's still you know they haven't cleaned everything up. But I would say down in and down out, I think the defense played pretty darn well. When you think about the situation they're in last night, you figure uh, one of the touchdowns was a pick six, so obviously that's not on them. The other touchdown was on a seven yard drive after the Jones fumble. Um, you think of the second half, they come out, they come up with a big stop on fourth and one to to get the ball back to the offense. Then uh, Seattle's next drive starts at their 40-yard line. They don't give up a first down. They miss a long field goal. So, like, I think the defense really actually did, you know, kind of show something last night. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau certainly had his best game of the year. I think you saw, you know, the addition of Zizo Jalari. He obviously brings a lot more to that other edge spot. And now, listen, Seattle had a makeshift offensive line. That's what you're supposed to do to makeshift offensive lines. But still, it was nice to see them be productive. Um, You know, obviously Miami – is a huge challenge uh, with the weapons and the scheme they have. So, um, you know, I think it was a positive step, <laughs> but um, a, a way bigger challenge awaits with these next two games. So I think we'll learn um, probably a lot more. But I, I don't think that team, you know, that, that tackling effort in San Francisco is, is who they're going to be. Um, I think they kind of righted the ship there a little bit. But, yeah, certainly <laughs> they could easily look bad these next two games because they're going against two very high-powered offenses. So Tiki was right. It was only five or six plays. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, anytime. Take care. 877-337. A six, a six, and two more sixes. It is wide open until midnight for you to call up and get your thoughts off, your takes off. Get, Get whatever you want off your chest. Open mic if you want to talk football, baseball, uh, tomorrow, we're definitely going to lean basketball and hockey to mix that in. If you want to talk life, uh, you know, career paths, you know, 
jobs, babies, whatever. We can do that on the fan until I'm done. Keith McPherson, KM to AM, returns right after this. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.